Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 39 of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. We are back again. Another week in the books, gentlemen. 39. What's one week shy of 40? 39. 39. So we're one week shy of 40. One week shy of being over the hill on the podcast. Um, We have a great show for you today. We're here with Jace Max, super producer Nixie. We have some NFL draft implications. We're going to be going over the landing spots of some of these rookies and the overall implications that these landing spots have for the pieces around them. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Oh, man, I'm excited to talk fantasy football. You know, I was sitting at work and I text in the group chat. I'm like, I'm amped for tonight, boys. It's just I look forward to these nights. I look forward to hanging out with you guys, and I'm really looking forward to this episode. That's nice right there, man. Feeling good. I'm excited to be on here as well. Long day at work, had to give a presentation at work. I brought up the podcast, so any uh, new listeners from work, what's going on? Hope you guys enjoy the show. Can I hear what you had to bring up? What I had to present about? Yeah. It was called the All About Me presentation, and uh, <laughs> we just kind of got like absorbed by a different branch in our office today, so it was, uh, I just started working there in March, so it was like my introduction uh, to the new team over there, so it was cool. It's a good group of people, for sure. All right. That's awesome. Well, welcome to Jace's coworkers. If they decide to listen, if they don't, well, then they <laughs> we'll don't. see you on the next episode. Yeah. We'll see you on the next episode when he plugs it harder at work. Super producer <laughs> Nick C, how are we doing? I'm uh, excited for you guys to talk about a few fellow Bearcats. A lot of Bearcats, hey. man. A little bit, a little bit. So I'm, I'm kind of hyped to see your guys' takes on those guys. Uh, overall, just uh, excited to be here for another episode. Yeah, before we get into it, uh, in the spirit of Rich Strike in the Kentucky Derby that we watched this past weekend, I wanted to just get the ball rolling and and kind of survey the guys out here, everyone here. What's your favorite underdog of all time? All right, I'll kick us off. Um, I would say my favorite underdog of all time was the 2016 Cavs in the finals versus Golden State down three to one. I think that, that can- that's a great dog. That's an underdog to me, um, three to one. That will forever live in my memory and in Cleveland's. Um, and I will pass it along to Jace. Yeah, uh, I brought up the 2016 NBA Finals in my presentation today. One of the questions was, what's one of the coolest things that's ever happened to you? And I was downtown when that happened, when game seven happened. I, I reacted uh, to the shot or the block and then the shot with a whole slew of uh, downtown Clevelanders and we charged the, the streets. It was just like one of the best days of my life. Um, I'm sure many, so I'm sure many beers you. drinking. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a really good time. I can tell you that, but my favorite underdog is the 2007 animated movie underdog. I don't know. If you guys <laughs> <remember>. <laughs> funny, uh, funny story. I actually have it downloaded on my iPhone. No, doubt. I swear I have that movie downloaded on my iPhone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I was mostly joking around. I just remember seeing that movie as a as my younger self in the movie theaters, and it's funny to look back on. I bet the animation and the CGI is uh, leave something to be uh, desired. But I think 
man, I think I just got to agree with Max. That 2016 NBA Finals was just electric. Uh, electric. It's the only uh, NBA team to ever come back from a 3-1 deficit. So we'll see if uh, there ever be another team that does it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I was kind of going to agree with Max on the 2016 Cavs, but I'm just going to go hashtag ad, hashtag promotion with underdog fantasy football, your favorite DFS <laughs> platform. You can use code monarchy for a hundred dollar bonus cash match. Dude, never not working. Whoa. That man is never not working. ABC, <laughs> always be closing. AB, he, he is the king of ABC right now. No He's taking your title, Max. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my personal favorite dog underdog has to be the Jets every year, but I'll take the greatest underdog story of all time, in my personal opinion. And that's the uh, Super Bowl three New York Jets, 28 point spread that they overcame Joe Namath guaranteeing a win and cursing the New York Jets for the next 50 plus years. They were really 28 point underdogs. Yes. That and they were wild. Yes. Wow. I could. And then there's some, uh, you know, I'll probably get fact checked and yelled at on Twitter 28 or 21. It was definitely either three or four touchdowns. And I am leaning towards the 28 mark. I know we have the internet. We could look it up in a moment, but it's really not that important. Anything more than like a 10 point spread is a lot. That's insane. See, if we would have had a podcast going back then, we would have told you that that's too many points. We it's too many. It's literally too many points. That's an easy lock it in. You can you can put the bankroll on that one. All right. We have a great episode for everybody today. We're going to start off with our reports from around the round. But right before we do that, special shout out from today's sponsor. Again, back for another week, SeatGeek, uh, NBA playoffs, MLB coming up in the summer. Great. Catch a game, kick back, grab a beer, grab a drink, bring your friends, bring your loved ones. Uh, there's nothing like going to a sporting event, especially after being locked down with COVID the last couple of years. Sports. You know, being at a game, you know, that makes the world feel like it's healing. Uh, so use our code. Uh, it's called Dynasty Pod. When you enter SeatGeek, you will get $20 off your first ticket purchase when you use our code Dynasty Pod, D Y N A S T Y P O D. And again, that's $20 off your first ticket purchase uh, with our code Dynasty Pod. And again, there's nothing better than going to a game, especially a nice baseball game in the summer. There, there's nothing, nothing better. better. Beer in hand, hot dog in the other hand. Man, I was can't, really just sitting can't think at work of better today. fireworks thinking about at the end uh, of it. Oh, oh, love the fireworks at the end. Yeah, I, you know, the Diamondbacks out here, they're holding their own right now. It's actually a miracle that they're close to 500 right now. They're, they're a scrappy team. I was just sitting at work today thinking, I, I got to get back into the seats. I got to, I got to go catch me a game. The weather's still nice here. The weather's starting to get nice in other places. It, it's a great time to go catch a game right now. Uh, jump on the wave baseball's a changing right now we got some you know the the catchers are using an automated voice system to call pitches hate nowadays it. It, hate it i know it, yeah you know they're trying they're trying to spice things up so go go in person use our code uh from SeatGeek there dynasty pod go check out a game see if you like uh you know the new baseball game that they're trying out right now beer and a hot dog on us Absolutely. Absolutely. Literally, beer and a hot dog on us. So remember, it's code Dynasty Pod. Uh, when you go to SeatGeek, sign up and use our referral code. Your first purchase is $20 off. With that being said, let's get into reports. All right. We have some more fun news at the back end, uh, but 
a little bit more serious football news at the front end of our report section today. Miami is signing running back Sony Michelle, marking the ever cloudy waters down in Miami. I feel like I'm uh, swimming in the Jersey Lakes up here with how brown the waters are down there, not in South Beach, which crystal clear. Uh, Sony is there now. And then beyond that, we have Chase Edmonds. And I believe there's another option down there as well. So just nobody knows who's going to be getting the ball uh, in that style of, style of offense down there. It's going to become the 49ers of the Southeast. Yeah. Um, just to name off their little depth chart here, they have Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, and Sonny Michelle. And then a couple weeks during the season, Salvan Ahmed's pretty relevant in there. He was getting some work. So I want nothing to do with Sonny Michelle. Not that I ever wanted anything to do. Maybe when he was replacing Daryl Henderson on the Rams there for a couple weeks. Um, but from a dynasty perspective, please stay clear of that backfield. They're all old, raggedy players. I fully expect Miami to draft a running back next year in 2023 with how loaded that class is. Nick, see if your boy Bijan goes there, that could be deadly. I just think these guys are fillers. One year, little replacements here. They're all on vet mins. So Miami's just trying to get the job done, but I think what they're really going to do is air the ball out to Waddle, Tyreek, and Mike Gusecki. I think that's career suicide if, if B. John finds his way in Miami. There's no way a running back's going to put up a like 2,000-yard season or like anywhere close to that wearing the powder blues, uh, like the teal green powder bluey uniforms. You just look <laughs> too, too, too cool and too relaxed. I, I want some guy looking like he's going to run over another guy, and you don't do that wearing a Dolphins uniform. Yeah. It's been a while since there's been a good running back over there. What, Jay Ajayi? Jay Ajayi. Yeah, it's been a while. But I think, yeah, for the most part, I'm probably staying away. This kills old Miles Gaskin, who I was thinking. Maybe he'll have some sleeper value. Raheem Mostert's never really been healthy. He's an, he's an aging running back. Chase Edmonds, he's, you know, been bang, banged up here and there. So maybe Gaskin would be like a super deep sleeper, could fall into work. He's dead now. Um, but you know, Chase Edmonds is probably going to be the guy that, that leads that backfield you know, they're probably going to try Raheem, but I really don't think he can last a whole season. So I don't know if you could ship like a back in second or mid second for Chase Edmonds right now, if you need a starting running back, I feel like he's going to be their guy, um, in a creative system. Maybe they get better. That O-line's terrible, but maybe, you know, Mr. McDaniel helps things out over there. So I feel like Chase Edmonds is, is worth a, an offer right now about a second round pick just uh if you need a running back second round pick and trey mcbride's there or just second round pick <laughs> no 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 no. i would much rather have trey mcbride but uh i would say you know like 206 or later or something like that honestly you might get someone to sell uh on that price just with a, a bit of the rookie fever uh going on right now all right that's gonna wrap up our talks about sony michelle here moving now into couple more fun topics. Tom Brady, we, you know, we're another leg into this saga of Tom Brady's uh, incredible offseason. He's retired, then he's not retired, and now he's planning his future retirement, signing with Fox Sports for a $37.5 million deal annually, $375 million over the course of 10 years. And he's going to get thrown right up into the booth, apparently, just like completely green right up in the booth. They were saying doomsday scenarios at Fox when uh, when Joe Buck and Troy left for ESPN. And you know what? A great company is going to turn it around. And there's a reason why they're stalwarts. You know, they, they've been in American broadcasting forever. They turn it around pretty quick. 
Yeah. I mean, we've, I feel like we've kind of known about this for a while. Obviously Fox approached us. They wanted to uh, have us come on there. Um, they offered us 30 million. We thought we're worth a little more. We wanted to keep our name. They wanted us to go rebrand with Fox. Um, so we had to turn them down. They got a nice option in Tom Brady, I guess. Um, but you're not getting the pod. You're not getting us for 30 million a year. That's pennies on the dollar for what we're worth. So congrats to Tom. I I'm excited. I mean, when you look at all the commentators throughout the league, you got Joe Buck now with ESPN, Tom Brady with uh, Fox, Tony Romo with CBS. And then obviously the NBC crew for Sunday night. Like it's a solid, really solid all around. I love Mike Tirico. I'm sorry. I'm just going to throw it out there. A lot of people don't like him and Collinsworth. I can understand the Collinsworth hate. I like Chris Collinsworth, but I love Mike Tirico. He's a really good broadcaster. He's been groomed by, uh, I don't know if groom is actually the right word in 2022 now, but he's been uh, brought up by Al Michaels over the course of Al's time at NBC. So uh, Mike Tirico will be a stalwart, uh, stalwart defender of uh, NBC forever. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's wild, man. Tom Brady, his wife, his kids, they're like, I'd like to see what they have to say about this whole thing. Cause this man, been putting all this work in for so long and now he's going to just go right into it like you said they're going to throw him right on tv you know how much research and film this dude's going to have to keep watching it's a it's an interesting thing for the family dynamic but some people man they just they can't give up the work they love the work and he's definitely one of those guys he's done it his whole life i have an idea i think i'm my crystal ball i'm seeing in the future here so Jordan and LeBron signed these mega deals with Nike that mm-hmm. got them basically to become billionaires. LeBron actually signed a billion dollar deal with Nike. And when LeBron's done playing, he's going to own just like how Michael Jordan owns one of the teams. Tom never had that opportunity. Like mm-hmm. there's the contracts, the sneaker deals and football aren't that crazy. Maybe Tom does this for 10 years. By the time he's done, he's 55 and he can, get together a billion dollars in an ownership group and buy one of these teams buys the Patriots from Mr. Kraft. Yes. And torments the jets for the rest of my life. And his <laughs> kids get to torment the jets for the rest of my life. Yes. Exactly oh right. my yes. goodness. <laughs> oh no, I don't like I this. I can see he's a man of destiny. He's probably going to get another Super Bowl before he goes out. I mean, that's destiny that he buys the the team that seemingly gave gave up on him at the end. He's going to put up Wilt Chamberlain numbers. He's going <laughs> to have like 13 – no, not Wilt uh, – Bill Russell numbers. He's going to have like uh-huh. 13 trophies, like yeah. 13 rings. And just, ugh. <laughs> so much hardware. All right, so now we're going to get into our draft implications. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at the situations that a lot of these rookies are surrounding and the – total impact that they're going to have on a lot of other fantasy pieces in those offenses. Last week's episode, we talked about a lot of the premium assets and the draft. And this week, it's a little bit more of the assets, either A, that we didn't get to talk about, or B, that were a little bit of a lower draft capital picks by the teams. First and foremost, and I think the person that we have to talk about the most moving into this draft, uh, shout out Kyle. Uh, one of my coworkers who listens to the pod, huge Pittsburgh guy. And I feel for you on Addison, who's probably going to transfer. Uh, he's probably going to be our wide receiver one off the board next year. But Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett, Kenny Smallhands, whatever you want to call him. I really thought they'd take Malik Willis. I guess a lot of teams know a lot more than I do that he's just not ready. He fell into the third round. We'll talk about him later. But I think it's a very interesting dynamic with him and Mitch Trubisky there competing for the role. 
And Mason Rudolph. And Mason Rudolph. I don't, don't know forget. About it. Don't forget the Steelers fans haven't forgotten about Mason. Yeah, I yeah, I'm sure they haven't. It's just it's a tough division. I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be a quarterback that can win you games when you have Lamar, Deshaun Watson, and Joe Burrow, and then you have Kenny Pickett. It just it's not a good look for me. I don't think. Hey, he's a Pittsburgh guy getting drafted by Pittsburgh. I, I texted you guys the other day. Pickett to Pickens has a really good ring to it. Maybe that's all narrative street, but. I don't know. I, you know, I feel like he landed in a really good spot with a lot of really good wide receivers around him and a solid uh, pass catching running back in Najee Harris. He's in a good spot. He's in a good organization. I don't know. I'm not super interested in him. He, he's like a, he's not a complete zero in the rushing category. So he's got a little bit of upside, but I don't know. I feel like his ups, uh, truest upside is like a QB 10 finish down the road. I don't see a lead upside for him. Yeah. So I think we're all pretty solid on where we find Kenny Pickett, but what about his assets? So we have Claypool Pickens who we can kill two birds with one stone here and talk about Pickens uh, all time draft photo, by the way, I'm, I'm sure it's been memed into uh, into stardom, but the, the picture of him just staring at the screen with the hunched back is, is one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Um, so we have Kenny Pickett, Pickens, Claypool, and then beyond that, Deontay Johnson. I was listening. I cannot remember the podcast. It might have been the fantasy footballers, might have been the CBS guys. And they were saying that the drafting of Pickens, and I believe they drafted another receiver after that. So they drafted two receivers in this class, is just a promise to the wide receivers that are already there that they're only going to keep one between Claypool and Deontay Johnson. If I'm them, I'm probably keeping Deontay Johnson uh, just because of his productivity and letting Claypool walk, especially because Claypool's the TikTok king now. He's the TikTok heir apparent now that Juju is gone. But there is definitely some room to grow in this offense for Pickett with all those weapons. Beyond that, those receivers that got drafted, Pickens and the other one, uh, I definitely think that there's some room to grow in their worth late round flyers in your rookie drafts. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I want to talk more on Claypool and Deontay just because they've already been there. I'm buying as many shares to those guys as I can, um, just because I think a lot of people are down that big Ben left and Deontay's not going to get those dump offs. Claypool obviously didn't have a good year last year, but Claypool's 23, Deontay's 25. They're both going to go either get paid in Pittsburgh and one of them's going to stay like Peter said, um, or they're going to go to an offense that really wants them. And Claypool, I mean, he's six foot four, six foot five. He's a guy that is a great buy low right now for me personally. Yeah, I, I like all these options. I'm not that. I think there's a bit of a premium going on for Deontay. Maybe not so much after the draft. I haven't, you know, seen his price as of late. But George Pickens, you know, I think he's worth the back into the first round rookie draft pick, if not early second. I have just grown on him continuously, and the Steelers are just notorious for developing these these wide receivers, Antonio Brown, Deontay Johnson, Claypool, we've seen flashes. Uh, I mean, Dayton Beck, you got Santonio Holmes, so many guys that they've been able to develop in that system. Um, he went, you know, round two, pick 20, I believe. Good draft capital. He broke out as a freshman, played in 12 games, 49 catches, 727 yards and eight tutties. I mean, the dude can ball and he's a, if you've never seen him block before, check out his blocking film. He is vicious. Um, and he brings just a lot of aggressiveness to an aggressive team in an aggressive division. I really like him as a sleeper. If he falls into the early second, I'm scooping him up. 
We're going to get moving on Pickett and his total options there in Pittsburgh in just a quick second. But I really do think that this is – there's a reason why we started on this. This is the biggest opportunity out of this rookie class, I think, to have a quarterback succeed this year. And, you know, this isn't lighting the world on fire. I'm not Socrates uh, saying this. I'm not uh, the Oracle at Delphi. I think the average fantasy player can see the situation. That's an organization that's going to uplift Kenny Pickett and usually, usually uplifts a lot of people inside of that organization, gets the most out of them. So I'm perfectly fine with taking any of the Steelers assets. Somebody I will be selling though is Claypool. I've just never liked his skill set. I, I just hate the 50, 50 ball guys that can't do anything else besides catch the ball. So, and you know, everybody's got a different opinion, but with that being said, I think we'll move on to our, no, real quick. One, buy Claypool, buy the dip. I mean, you could get this guy for pennies on Please the dollar. Please don't. Please don't. Uh, he's going to go to a new team. He's 20. You're throwing away money. You're not. That's throwing away money is like playing in leagues with you. You just throw away money. But that's beside the point. What I wanted to say is where would you draft Kenny Pickett in a super flex rookie draft? Probably like eight, seven. Um, if I like desperately needed a quarterback and I'm like I had to have him, which I don't feel like, you know, if you're in that situation, you're, you're probably rebuilding. So you really don't, you probably don't need him as bad as you think. I would try to let him slip to like 108 to 110. I, I'm not the highest on him. I, I think if he works out, like I said, his, his ceiling's a top 10 finisher, like kind of like a season Matthew Stafford just put up, which, you know, I don't know how many weeks it necessarily won you. All right. We're going to move on here to the 43rd overall pick from the New York Giants, Wandale Robinson. Uh, Wandale is a prototype man's man when you think about the speedsters and he is Kadarius Tony light you know yeah. remember remember the app stores back in the day where they used to have like the full version of the game that cost money but then the light version of the game that was free he's the light version of Kadarius Tony but maybe he can stay on the field a little bit more let's hope they don't trade him after a season Jace I think you should kick us off he's your Kentucky boy yeah Wandale is a ton of fun to watch or at least he was at Kentucky and I want to jump back I said George Pickens was drafted at pick 20 he was drafted at pick 52 I had Kenny Pickett on the mind but Wandale Robinson man like that that receiving core Kenny G is probably closer to the cliff um, than not Kadarius Tony kind of on the outskirts there kind of in some hot water even though I do believe in him and I think he'll end up working out he's got the draft capital behind him ton of ability Wandale, you know, if he's fallen to the third round in rookie drafts, I'm going to scoop him up for sure. Um, I think he's got a lot of upside, but he's a really small dude. It's all big play dependent. So, you, you know, he's probably not going to be anything more than a wide receiver three with a ton of uh, weekly upside to take one to the house. But, you know, junior year uh, came out as an early, uh, early declare out of Kentucky, 13 games, 104 receptions, uh, 1,334 yards and seven touchdowns. So, the dude can produce. I watched him light it up. He passes the eye test. He's just, he's small. And I think, you know, he could end up turning into a nice slot receiver. Sterling Shepard's still there, but I could see him kind of filling in that role in the future because Kadarius plays outside quite a bit. So I, I like him quite a bit still. Uh, ceiling Cole Beasley or ceiling Tyreek Hill? Mm, I honestly like if you had think... to pick, you had to pick the slot receiver. So... I can't pick either of those guys. I think Wandale could end up being what we want Rondale Moore to be. 
what we've always wanted him to be, I think Wandale could be. Just an electric wide receiver three, kind of in a Debo role, kind of not. I think he could find himself into that kind of into that category of play. I see more like young Jarvis Landry almost. He's kind of like an over-the-middle type of guy. He's obviously got the speed, the agility, stuff like that. To me, it's just I don't trust in Danny Dimes. You know, if next year they draft C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever it is, I mean, to the moon. But right now, I'm not investing a high. I mean, you're probably going to have to pay. What would you guys have to say? Like an early second, late first for him? I I don't think he would sneak late first. Uh, If anybody in your draft is sneaking him in the first round, you know, this sound bite might sound really bad in a year from now if he breaks out. Yeah, but I I think he's like a mid-second later. Yeah. I, I think he's mid-second. I think that landing spot, I mean, even when I saw it, and I'm a huge Wandale guy, I was like, he's dead. That was such a bad pick. But, you know, he's just really athletic. He produced a lot. He's just a baller. So I was talking to my dad about it, who really doesn't play fantasy or anything like that, but he knows football. And he was like, Wandale will find his way onto the field. And he's got some Kentucky bias because he went there. But he, you know, he was pretty cemented in his beliefs. But, Nixie, you got your hand raised. Yeah, I was just going to chime in real quick. I know you guys aren't like super high on him, but I feel like it's something that's important to bring up, especially for like smaller wide receivers. Is that is just a stat I saw on Twitter is that no wide receiver five, eight or under has had a top 24 uh, finish in fantasy football. So I think that's, I mean, you got to know that going into drafting him that he's going to be probably just a wide receiver three for you. Spot start guy. Tyreek. He's a list 5'10, I think. Uh, List 5'10, more like 5'7 half. He gets a nice night of sleep, 5'8. Yeah. I think, Nixie, I've seen that tweet that you're talking about. And I think I also saw a response just to play devil's advocate. I'm totally with you. That's, he's really small. But guys, his height or shorter really haven't produced at the level or broken out at the age that he did before. So he's kind of, an outlier at this point. So that's kind of what we're hoping for, that he's just the outlier on this team. And landing on the Giants with Danny Dimes, like you said, Max, I mean, it's the ultimate outlier. Hey, look, man, somebody's got to be the first. Somebody's got to break the stat. So that's, maybe that's maybe it's Juan Dale. No doubt. All-time name, by the way. Great name. Mm-hmm. Now we're moving one pick later, number 44. I'm extremely, extremely interested in this player, uh, John Mechie. I feel like early second round pick, I would I would gobble him up. Pause. I would definitely take him uh, as an early second round pick. Uh, the Houston Texans selected him at 44. I believe they traded up to get him as well. They did with the Cleveland uh, Browns. Mechie out of Alabama did have a great season uh, up until his injury 2021. That junior season in 2021, he had 1,142 yards, eight touchdowns uh, in that 2021 campaign. He only played 13 games as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch, as we know, I don't watch much college football. I'm an NFL baby. I'll watch the big games. I'll watch Alabama and the bowl games and stuff like that. But like coming into the draft, like if you were been like, oh, who's one guy like you really want? I'd say Mechie. Like I see his name. I see him in Alabama. These guys produced NFL players. The Texans, obviously not a great landing spot, but you have to I think, think the opposite. I think it's a great landing spot for him. I, I, I just, it's like, I just can't get behind it. It's, I don't even know how I would compare it, but he gets to learn from Brandon Cooks. 
They drafted um, who do they have last year? The general. Um, not no, uh, Nico Collins. Nico Collins. Yeah. So I mean, they're going to be behind. They're going to be throwing the ball. If he can get healthy, the Alabama receivers they produce. So I think he's a great, great add in like mid to early second. Hey, look, man, the ball's got to go somewhere. Does. I'm not, I'm not trying to I feel like every fantasy football pod or you know every article says this is a great landing spot for him and I'm not trying to reiterate I'm just trying to emphasize here the ball's got to go somewhere man it really does it can't go nowhere uh yep. so I think he's great to succeed in his first year and maybe he's a kind of guy that can reach his ceiling within the first year or two but they will definitely be drafting quarterback next year if Davis Mills is doesn't have to prove it like he I'm the guy year most likely because they will have the draft capital to pick Stroud pick uh whoever they like there uh early in the first round so I think he's a definite bargain buy and at some point during the year if he has a a really bad down streak I think you gotta scoop him up 100 yep how does this transaction make you feel about Brandon Cooks this upcoming season I feel like now it's less likely he's going to be the ball dominant target hog that he once was last year. For me, it doesn't change. You got an ACL guy coming off an injury. It's the Houston Texans. Still. He obviously has a rapport with the Houston Texans. They paid him the bag. They want to get him the football to me. It's not like I'm going to downgrade Brandon cooks from like wide receiver 16 to wide receiver 25. I still think he's on the Texans and it's kind of just like, they're going to be losing. They're going to throw him the ball. Yep. I feel the same way. You know, Mechie, I really like him. Broke out really early as a sophomore, 916 yards and six tutties his sophomore year in 2020. I don't know if I see, like, wide receiver one upside with him or like a, a 1B or a good two, but that don't sleep on that. I mean, that's really good for your fantasy team. You can have a bunch of those guys riding on your bench or even slotted into your wide receiver two. You're in a good spot. They're going to put up points. Brandon Cooks, you know, every year, since he's had those concussions, he's been an ultimate discount and redraft and dynasty, you name it. And I've, you know, if there's another price dip right there and he's a, and you're a competitor and, you know, someone wants to give you Brandon Cooks for like the 201 or for John Mechie, like I would do that. I think Brandon Cooks is going to produce. Davis Mills is going to be a sophomore uh, quarterback this year. I don't know if he's going to be able to support two guys necessarily. So like you said, the target's got to go somewhere. I know you're referring to Medchi, but I kind of see that more so down the road. I think Brandon Cooks is going to get a, a ton of targets again this year. It's going to be a bad team. They're going to be behind a lot. And I think Cooks is going to put up another thousand, however many yards and six, seven, eight touchdowns again, like he always does. All right. We will move now to the 50th overall pick. New England Patriots from Kansas City through Miami picked Tyquan Thornton. I want to make sure I say the last name right. Thornton, Thornton, Thornton. Definitely another head scratcher, wide receiver out of Baylor. Those second round wide receivers out of Baylor, Denzel Mims, and then this Thornton guy now uh, over the last couple of years. I feel like it does nothing for me at all uh, with the Mac Jones offense. It does nothing for me for Mac Jones, does nothing for me for the other receivers. Just, just strictly by the way that Bill has drafted over the last couple of years. If he doesn't like a guy, he's not going to hold on to him. You know, this guy could completely prove us all wrong. I just, I really don't see it, especially coming out as a senior. Uh, I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, we've seen the Patriots just whiff and whiff on wide receivers from the Harry to, I mean, yes, they hit Julian Edelman, who used to be a quarterback 
stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, this guy is really fast. He ran a 4.28 at the 40, but speed is not everything. Like Peter said, Mac Jones needs to be able to get the ball out, needs to be able to throw the ball. I wouldn't invest, honestly, more than a late second for this guy. And even then, I'm hoping that he gets cut or something. Looking at his general stat page, I mean, the dude's coming out as a senior, never put up a 1,000 yards. He did put up 10 touchdowns, but it's like speed is his only tool. And that, you know, that wide receiver core is just – they got Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne. It's just so crowded, and I don't think Mac Jones is ever going to really support a truly elite option, and maybe that will come back to bite me down the road. But just after watching him play I and the nature of that offense that he's in, for the foreseeable future, I just – this is going to be a big old whiff for me, and I don't even think he's worth it a draft pick honestly i'll wow. be taking shots elsewhere i feel like the mac jones thing again it does nothing to his value it does nothing to the other receivers value i love jacoby myers uh and it hurts me to say that as a jet fan uh he's just the overall like gonna be the target hog in that offense it, it literally the, the pick does nothing we'll hear the mumblings out of camp and, and see what that kind of brings to this but for right now i'm completely asleep i'm like the homer simpson sleeping meme and then i will let super producer nixie take us on this uh wild journey for mr alec pierce yeah alec pierce definitely a guy that i like are we kind of looking at him in mid to late second round but definitely not earlier than that so where did he go to school right i so this guy went to uh, university of cincinnati and he got picked 53rd overall by the Indianapolis Colts. So I should have said that first, but I kind of just let my love of this guy uh, kind of eke out there. But I don't know. I, I really like Pierce. He tested super well at the combine. Uh, his relative athletic score tested at a 9.82, which is, is fairly high. So it's not everything. He had decent production in college, but I'll take a flyer on this guy just because of the wide receiver options in Indianapolis outside of Michael Pittman. There's really no one else notable. And, uh, you know, Matt Ryan is on the decline, but he's shown in the past that he can air the ball out. So I'm like more of the opposite. I want to like him, but Matt Ryan has just left such a sour taste in my mouth. The only thing that he does have going for him is like, there's Matt Ryan who had Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Love throwing to Calvin Ridley and Julio, but I can see him really focusing on him as the number two. But as a run-first offense with Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line, I just don't see him getting the work, especially his rookie year with Matt Ryan. So for me, if I'm drafting him, it's more of like a stash and hoping that they sign a quarterback in the offseason or do something down the road. Yeah, so when I think about Pierce, I think about the Indianapolis Colts and that offensive line and how great that is for a quarterback, especially like Matt Ryan, who's more of a pocket passer. I really think that the quarterback numbers in Indianapolis will not change much. I think the boneheaded Carson Wentz is very set, like similar to the end of the line, Matt Ryan, just Matt Ryan's going to make less mistakes. So Carson Wentz finished the year in 2021 with 3,500 around 3,500 passing yards I could see Matt Ryan finishing around like 3,200, but curbing down on the interceptions and raising the touchdowns a little bit. Carson had 27 touchdowns and then he had seven interceptions in 2021. So I could see Matt Ryan finishing with like 30 touchdowns if that offense decides to work correctly. 
and then like five interceptions or six interceptions. So uh, the opportunity is definitely going to be there for Pierce this upcoming season in 2022. That offensive line, again, is incredible. And Matt Ryan's going to give them consistency. If you start seeing consistent outcomes, like eight points, eight points, eight points from, from Pierce this upcoming season, I would buy, I would buy, 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 because that shows consistency over time and his guarantee in that offense and guarantee over time in that offense is going to be the same and that Reich likes him. And he seems like a perfectly consistent player. Pierce is going to be a great value in drafts. I still really like him. Kind of a theory that I have is that, you know, Michael Pittman's the one in this offense as it goes for wide receivers. We're not worried about, uh, what's his name, the the tight end that they just drafted there. Jelani Woods. Uh, Jelani Woods, yes. He's a giant freak. You know, I don't think he's going to garner a whole lot of t- uh, targets. They got uh, Gigantor, Mo Ali Cox still there. I mean, this is a giant receiving core, if not the biggest in the league. But uh, there's no one else to contend for that number two spot. They just got a bunch of nobodies. Uh, you know, Zach Pascal, I don't know if he – I think he moved teams. And so I, I really don't know who else is back there. Um, yeah, but Paris I think, Campbell, you know – T.Y. Hilton. Paris Cam- oh, yeah, they still hanging out with – yeah, okay. Bunch of nobodies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, – I don't know. Matt Ryan is notoriously not throwing touchdowns to his number one. He throws a lot to the number two. That's why Calvin Ridley was a hot commodity back in the day. Um, so, you know, maybe Pierce, he's a big guy, 6'3". Maybe he's he's got sneaky eight touchdown upside his rookie year. If all things go right for him, they're going to be in the red zone a lot if Jonathan Taylor's healthy. You know, I think even if Matty Ice is not the answer moving forward, Matty Ice could be out in two years. Uh, looking at his contract, things finish up after 2023. He's an unrestricted free agent. They'll get a guy. They're going to go for it while they can with Jonathan Taylor being the age that he is. I think uh, they'd, they'd be in the market for another quarterback after 2023. So we'll see what happens. I think he's a good long-term investor. Alec Pierce or Jalen Rager? Alec Pierce by a Alec mile. Pierce, man. By Jaylen a mile. That's what, I'm try- that's what I'm trying to tell the people out there. There's these former first round guys I, I could care less about. I'd rather have Alec Pierce. Yeah. I'd rather take Alec Pierce at the 112 or like even like the 110 than Absolutely. take then trade like or then take Jalen Rager if he was in this draft at like 210. Yeah. Jalen Rager's boo boo, man. And I'm heavily biased because he I spent a nice pick on him uh, in a startup. Yep. Regrettable. All right. Moving on, I'm going to let Jace take this one away. This one is one of my guys. I'm going to abstain from the initial conversation because I love him too much, and too much too much uh, bias would be given right away. Hey, I'm bordering on that territory right now as well. This is Trey McBride, um, was, drafted, was drafted 55th overall to the Arizona Cardinals and you know, off of first thought, they just re-signed Zach Gertz there, who was really productive uh, during his time there. But, you know, recent news, DeAndre Hopkins suspended for six games. We already thought he was at the cliff after what we saw last year. Uh, Rondale Moore, you know, I don't know how much he's going to produce. And they just signed Hollywood Brown, uh, who I think is going to be their mainstay one there for a while. And, uh, you know, Trey McBride, just a freak in college. We brought it up senior year, finished up with. Uh, around 1,100 yards, only scored one touchdown. So he's definitely due for uh, quite a bit of regression. I bet he can, you know, I bet he can top that his rookie season, even if he's playing behind Zach Ertz. 
this dude just as a long-term rebuilder is just I'm salivating at getting him in the early secondary uh in the late first if I have to I just think he's in a great spot the Arizona Cardinals have shown a high tendency to target their tight ends uh Max Williams while he was healthy was putting up points Zach Ertz Max extreme two x's two x's man that's how that's how it should be spelled no doubt and uh he was putting up numbers Zach Ertz we know what he could do and I think McBride is just so much younger, so much more explosive than Ertz. If he was getting those same targets somewhere down the road, I think you're probably looking at the next top five tight end with a lot of upside. So I'm completely bought in on this guy. You might have to wait two years, but uh, I think he's going to be well worth the wait and someone I definitely want to throw on the end of my bench. uh, What a guy to learn behind. What a guy to learn behind too. Like uh, I I can honestly, I think we can confidently say like one of the top 10 tight ends of all time. Uh, being able to mm-hmm. teach you sure. what it's like to be a pass catching dominant number one in an offense. So I think too, you know, Zach Ertz has never been like the most athletic guy or anything like that. He's just a very cerebral, smart tight end who knows how to come back to the quarterback, where to break into his own and where to sit down. He's just really smart. So that paired with McBride's athleticism, if Zach Ertz had McBride's athleticism, he'd be right up there with the Kelsey's and Kittles that we're talking about right now. So I, I love Trey McBride. I'm not going to get him at 203 in our one quarterback um, 12 team league. I'm going to have to probably move up to 112 to go get him. And that's something I'm completely fine doing because I think it's going to be him and Pitts down the road. Wow. That's some high praise. I love the landing spot. Uh, I love everything you said there, Jace, really. I just, to me, I don't know if I'm willing to pay a first rounder for him. These tight ends, they take a long time to develop. I get you have to invest that capital in him if you want him. But for me, I'd rather someone else like you take him, have him sit on your bench for about two years, him not do much, and then be like, oh, yeah, throw in Trey McBride, and then he could go off, you know? So I don't think he's going to break out in the first two years, and I'd rather wait on him and try to get him on a dip. That is very fair. I, I, I think it's going to take him a while too, unless Ertz gets hurt or something like that, because it's going to be Marquise and whoever steps up. And I think he could end up being that guy. Uh, we've seen how they try to draft wide receivers with Andy Isabella, most recently Rondale Moore. Like they, they whiff on these guys all the time. So I think as good of a pass catcher he is, I think he's going to shine. But I do think it's going to take two years. So I, I kind of like your strategy. If you think people are going to be giving up on him, you can get him for a 26 second down the road i mean that's gonna be fantastic value yeah for me trey mcbride i've talked about him ad nauseum on the podcast for probably about six months now i think that's i think that's pretty fair about six months um i love him we have talked about all of his statistics we've talked about the intangibles we've talked about every single kind of thing that we can I told you months ago, literally multiple months ago, if you needed a tight end, you needed to get in the back of the first because that's where he's going to go. Everyone laughed at me. The Twitter community laughed at me. The Reddit community laughed at me. Thought you were on crack, man. I remember yeah. texting Max about it separately. I was like, I can't believe this man thinks McBride's going to go on the first. He did. Now I'm like, yo, I got to get a first. To get this <laughs> Look, like if I'm going to make like a bold claim like that, I, I just know the positional scarcity. And he was, again – for the one millionth time I'm going to say it, he was a top five receiver in college football this year. Receiver, receiving of the football, he was a top five. And a lot of scouts, NFL scouts, a lot of reports that have been leaked, Daniel Jeremiah has talked about it. A lot of scouts think he has the best hands in the class. 
period yeah. out of any yeah. like just the most sure hands in the class out of all of these guys so you're gonna get a silky smooth pass catcher so what if he doesn't play this year so what if he doesn't play even next year as long as you know that he's on the team and they have a plan an action plan for him to get in that tight end position is so hard to come by I think you have to snap at it yeah if I had TJ Hawkinson right now I think you could get a good amount of cherries on top to down quote-unquote downgrade to Trey McBride honestly 100 in a vacuum I'm a rebuilder leaning towards rebuilding I'd rather have Trey McBride straight up right now so if you could ship Hawkinson or shoot Cole Komet who's in a pretty good situation right now get some cherries on top seconds first whatever you can get on top I would 100% do that here's a question who's worth more in a year one year from now Travis Kelsey or Trey McBride oh it's a really great question oh man what does Kelsey's contract look like so Kelsey's locked in until 2025 but has a potential out after this year I don't know. He's he kind of feels like a lifer, you know, like just he's going to play forever, even if production drops. Man, I bet it's still Kelsey. But if you're if you're rebuilding, it's like literally not even close. It's probably not even if I'm rebuilding right now. I don't want Kelsey on my roster. I'd rather have McBride straight up right now. All right. Wrapping up the second rounders, we find an interesting running back who's sneaking into a lot of mock drafts uh, in the first round. I, I think we could it's be pretty we can be pretty quick on this one. Uh, quick, swift, and concise in our verbiage here. Uh, James Cook, running back out of Georgia, uh, the number 63rd overall pick to the Buffalo Bills. Who traded for the pick? I don't care if they traded Josh Allen for the pick. The guy's only getting – I mean, I would care then. But the guy's only getting <laughs> I feel like, because of his brother, Dalvin. He didn't have that much success in college. You got people, not going to drop names, Kevin Kukla in our league that are literally like salivating that they're going to take him at like 106. I'm like, please go ahead and take him at can one trade to 107. Yeah. Can I, can I trade to 107 too? I just don't think he's got the talent. I think it's very Clyde esque. you know, it's a landing spot. It's the bills. It's a last name. It's a story. It's a narrative. And I want nothing to do with it. Preach preach. Yeah. I Nixie, when the draft is going on, you text in the group chat. James Cook is going to be a trap. And I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't agree anymore. People have been rationalized and saying, oh, well, yeah, they tried to go get a JD McKissick and, you know, they're trying to get a pass catcher. Like, so what? It's going to be a pass catcher on a committee. Like, you know, yeah. I think you're hoping for a James White ceiling. This dude's not a three down back. He's coming out as a senior. He split work the whole time. Devin Singletary is going to be there in between the tackles guy. And uh, James Cook is going to be their pass catcher. And, like, I, I don't know what that's worth. It's not worth a first to me. Yeah, no Dable, no Dable there uh, next year. So, again, could be a new styled offensive system. They do not want to rush Josh Allen as much anymore. I know that's a big thing that, uh, that they were talking about up, up in Buffalo with all the beat reporters. He's a yes and no candidate for me. Yes, if he's there at, like, 204 know if he's yeah, going to be snagged bad. at any point in the first round. Yeah, no, he's a, he's just a handcuff to me. Like he's a pass catching handcuff, but how you would have valued JD McKissick two, three, four years ago is how I would value James Cook. It's a second round pick. If someone gets hurt, he could catch a bunch of balls and go off here and there, but he's not, 
a three down back. I wouldn't be, I don't spend first on running backs unless they have the chance to be a three down back. All right. Moving into the third round. Now we're going to be going a little bit quicker because some of these guys, their draft capital isn't that interesting. Uh, we have Velas. I think it's Velas or Velvis. Is it Velas Jones? Velas was actually on the 2016 team that housed, I believe Sam Darnold (laughs) and Juju Smith Schuster at USC did four years at USC. Think about that. He probably got a, de- a degree at USC and then does two years at Tennessee. How in the world he still had college eligibility is beyond <laughs> this. And he is 25. He's the resident grandpa of the draft and is older than me. Lord. Well, we are recording this. What you guys hear, it'll actually be tight. It'll be his birthday because his birthday is May 11th. So happy wanna- birthday, Velas. Oh, wow. Happy yeah. birthday. Want to wish the 25 year old a, a nice happy birthday. Yeah, this guy, this is who I was thinking about earlier. I was like, who's the old man in the draft? It's our boy Velas or Velas, but um, we've just been Google searching around him. And right here it says Velas, uh, that's how I read it. Velas Jones' breakout age is 23. He's the opposite of Velas. <laughs> he's, he's the opposite of Veal. He's an old man. Yeah. He's the cow this that they put out to pasture. He's not man. the young calf that they, they take. Yeah, I mean, he I mean, he broke out, let's see, 2017 at USC. Uh, oh wait, these are just kick return numbers. I was like this guy sucks. <laughs> uh No, this guy does suck. <laughs> these stats, these stats are even worse. Dude, he's man. quick, bro. I promise. Man, all right, speed's his only thing. This is just like this is nothing to me. This guy is I mean, this dude's closer to the edge than DeAndre Hopkins. So, uh, older than DJ Moore, older than DJ Moore, by the way, that is wild. Okay. That is wild. This guy, no, he's an old man. Disregard. All right. Sorry, Chicago bears. Another head scratcher this year. Uh, we talked about Jelani Woods already, uh, with the Colts at 73, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. I'll let Nixie take this one there. Yeah. Select Desmond Ritter quarterback in out of Cincinnati at 74. Yeah, man. I, another Cincinnati guy, you guys know, I, uh, attended the university of Cincinnati and just graduated from there. So I don't know Ritter. He's just going to be put up on a platform for me. I love Desmond Ritter. Um, I think this, Yeah, all all jokes aside and stuff, I I do think this is a good landing spot for him. He gets Mariota as his veteran to kind of learn from. And, I mean, you can see some similarities in their game, so I think it'll be good for Ritter. He could even, I don't know, it could be a bold take, but, I mean, he could end up starting a few games this season. He's just a fast guy. He has that rushing upside. He ran a 4-5-2, 40-yard dash uh, at the Combine. So I, I like him, and especially for the rushing upside, I like him. I like him for the rushing upside and his mindset. I mean, did you hear his interview? He said they're going to get a Super Bowl out of him. That is the most clown thing any, like, first-year quarterback can say because then the freezing cold takes exposed account comes after him in three years. <laughs> but he, he's not going to get one this year, obviously. But, like, Lamar said the same thing, and I, I don't think it's a cold take for Lamar to say that. I think – yeah, because he's Lamar. And it took time for him to be Lamar. It took him a whole year. I One believe whole Desmond Ritter. Year. I believe in the mindset, the mentality. And like Nixie said, he's going behind Mariota, who was a backup last year. They paid him two years for $18 million. It's not going to be that hard to overtake the job. 
They invested a third round draft pick in him. I love the size. I love the speed. I just have to get this off my chest. I like Ritter. I think he's going to be a serviceable quarterback. And if he shows some promise this year, they will be tempted to not draft a quarterback. They're going to finish most likely. I, I will say this most likely Falcon fans bottom 10 in the league again, this upcoming season. And that's again, nothing against the fans, nothing against the fan base. They're going to be tempted at quarterback this upcoming NFL draft, April 27th, 2023, they will be tempted on that, that all faded Thursday night. And if one of those elite tier guys are staring them down, I can't see how they pass up on him. In Superflex, he's worth a second round pick. There's no chance he finds himself in the first for me. And to be honest, he's more like 203, 204, not even 201 for me. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you, Peter. The you know, if he would have gotten a first round, uh gotten some first round draft capital, then we even really a second round, that. like early second. Yeah. The, the yeah, the fact that he fell all the way down to the third is that's not good investment. And I, like you said, that he'd be a hell of a backup third round draft capital on a backup. Sure. That's fine. If they want to put another stud there, I love him in super flex as a second round pick. Maybe he falls into some time and he runs all over the place, but I, I just really hope he doesn't work out because it's another rushing quarterback in the league. That's going to have to support two guys that we want to be elite and Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I, I want a pocket passer on that team. I want someone who's going to air it out and support Kyle Pitts and um, Drake London and whoever else they decide to add to that offense. I just, I don't, I don't know, man. He just, it scares me. It scares me. I feel like his best ability is rushing and it's by a mile. So I just, he scares me. I don't think he's worth a, a first round draft pick, just like you, Peter. All right, moving forward. We talked about this guy last week, so I, I won't say anything here, but we'll just mention the name. Uh, tight end Greg Dulcich out of UCLA. A lot of people say uh, that he had better skills and like a upside, kind of like the Aiden Hutchinson versus Trayvon Walker thing, uh, that he had better skill set uh, for the NFL than Trey McBride. Uh, and he found himself on the Denver Broncos. Uh, I think that there is at least opportunity there. He's worth a flyer in the, the late second, early third, 100%. Moving on from him, we have quarterback Malik Willis at the 86 overall pick uh, to the Tennessee Titans. I'm just so upset with this landing spot in the pick. I get Tannehill is not that good of a quarterback, and he could honestly easily overtake Tannehill. But for me, like I was really ready to draft Malik Willis at like 101 in super flexes. I love this. Really, I love that he loves God. I love that he went to Liberty, a small school. He kind of reminds me of Lamar. I get you know, Louisville, Liberty, the L's, the small field, the rushing upside. But I'm just grasping at strings here. I really believe in straws, strings, straws, straws, Louisville, Louisville, Liberty. They're all the same to me, Peter. Um, (laughs) But I just, I I still like them. And I know I'm going to be in the minority here. I, I would take them right next to Ritter. I mean, they're really close for me. Probably rather have Malik I, 201. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd rather, I think I'd rather have Ritter, honestly, because I, I'm very much in the camp. I think Ryan Tannehill's a solid quarterback, man. Like, I feel like he had a bit of a down year there, but he was without AJ Brown for most of the year. Julio was gone. He didn't have any wide receiver weapons. And just like 
two seasons ago. This man was just, he was highly efficient. We knew he was due for some regression, but I feel like he's somewhere in between two seasons ago and a season ago. And, uh, you know, I just, I tweeted it. I remember when we were all like on the fantasy Twitter community comparing Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill and their numbers and uh, touchdowns and yardage and touchdown percentage. And they were just like identical. So I think, I don't think he's that good, but I think he's going to hold on to his job. And if he doesn't, he'll go get one somewhere else for sure. So I don't know. I, I think Malik's going to have a harder time finding the field than a lot of people think. I remember probably about 24 episodes ago now, a couple months ago, I was like, you know, Malik Willis one-on-one and super flex, no matter what. Yeah. I said that to myself and now I have the one-on-one and super flex. So take, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if my money is where my mouth is, uh, where my mouth was, but yeah. Hey, you're allowed to change presented with new information. You're presented with new information. I, I'm still floored that he fell this far. Even if he was like a mid second round, I think he might've been the one-on-one in super flex. I could see it over Brees Hall. Like if it was a mid-second round quarterback that went to like a good system, but this was just nightmare scenario. Run first offense, nobody to really throw the ball to. Just really, really scary hours. Maybe I'll trade back into the first and maybe pluck them like 110, 108, but we'll see. Just take trail on 101. It's fine. No, thanks. Moving on, we're only going to do one or two more players. Uh, everybody else at this point is just complete speculation uh, from this class. But I did want to mention Jalen Tolbert really badly. We understand that Dak loves to throw to irrelevant wide receivers like Cedric Wilson. <laughs> Jalen Tolbert is going to, I feel like, find his way. He's from South Alabama, uh, great HBCU. I, I feel like he's going to find a way to – at least be semi fantasy relevant week to week. And that's more than worth a mid second round pick. I really, I really agree with you. I, I think that Michael Gallup is still coming back from that injury. Obviously you have CD lamb. I think Dalton Schultz is a fluke. And I mean, they took this guy in the third round and he put up some really, really solid numbers. I mean, looking at his stats, he played 12 games. He had 1,474 yards. That is a lot with eight touchdowns. There's really nothing not to like about him. Just obviously he was drafted in the third round for Dallas, but he's six foot um, four, I believe. Is that correct? Six foot three. I mean, I like him. The only, the only concern. He's not a, he's not a jump ball guy. He's a speedster. He's pretty quick. Yeah. But the only concern is like just the line, it got a little worse and I don't know how much they're going to run with Zeke and Pollard. I think Zeke is washed, but that's for a different episode. So I worry about the line and obviously that he's wide receiver three, but if he can produce on a week to week basis, pick him up, start him. There just like, wasn't very much noise about this guy pre-draft. So like, I really don't know that much about him. Haven't seen any film on him or anything like that. He was kind of just like a, when the pick happened, I didn't even think much of it. Just, I feel like most of that's based on, I think this is CD's year to like break out as the true wide receiver one finally. We've always been used to year two breakouts the past couple of years. CD's heading into year three, which is used to be the standard for breakouts. I can see it. The situation perfect. I think this guy's, you know, you're drafting him, hoping he's going to be a 
wide receiver, low end wide receiver two at the most. I feel like I, I don't see a whole lot of ceiling for this guy. He's a mid second to me and one quarterback drafts. I feel like that's the sweet spot for a lot of these guys. Mid second, they slip to late, early third, just grab them. And then the last guy we're going to talk about today before we get into Max's trade corner is David Bell. And I'll let the Cleveland boys take that away for the Brownies. Wide receiver two on the Browns. Jace, I'm going to let you kick us off because I think you are in love with the landing spot, in love with the player. I absolutely love David Bell. Great production in college, early declare coming out of Purdue. Just he's kind of one of those guys when we were talking pre draft. He's not amazing at anything, but he's really good at everything. Like he's just really solid at everything. Dude, he sounds um, like a J A G. You know, you know, a little he's like an elite <laughs> Jag, you know. He's perfect elite. to be a wide receiver too. He's the elite <laughs> Jag. You got that's the nickname. Elite Jag. He's, I like he's that. The elite Jag. But I think he's just the perfect fit for a over the middle possession wide receiver to fill in for Jarvis Landry. Just just a really solid wide receiver too for your fantasy team in the future with Deshaun Watson throwing him the rock. Amari Cooper, you know, I think he's really gonna shine first and foremost, but we haven't seen him dominate as a true one in a very long time. I don't know if he's still got that in his bag of tricks. So I think the ball could get spread around pretty evenly in Cleveland. And I think David Bell's, he's going to jump right in. He was, I think he was one of the most pro ready wide receivers out of this class. I loved him pre-draft and the, the landing spot just makes me like him even more. I'm, I'm willing to grab him in the late first, 110 to 112 if I have to, if I really want to get my hands on him. But I got a 203 pick right now, and I'm, I'm thinking he's probably going to land in my lap. So um, all those guys in that range, Mech, uh, Mechie and um, George Pickens and David Bell, I, I love all those wide receivers in that range. Yeah, I, I didn't get to really see any of David Bell's tape. I know I watch a lot of Big Ten football, but I didn't get to see any of his highlights, and he really never struck me when he was on the field, and that could just be a clown take or, or anything like that for any Purdue fans out there. Um, but look, if you're going to be a Deshaun Watson wide receiver and you're going to be seeing time as a rookie and be able to develop over the course of a year, I think you're worth at least that late second round pick, mid second round pick, hundred percent. All right. With that being said, we're going to just run through some honorable mentions, Brian Robinson, Jr. Out of Alabama. Uh, he'll get a lot of goal line work. If you're looking for a goal line back kind of like Ramondre. Uh, I feel like kind of like Ramondre Stevenson in that Patriots styled offense. Um, now we have Rashad white He's, running back to Tampa I would, Bay. I really don't see much because they paid Leonard Fournette. Yeah. I, I mean, Lenny hasn't played a full season in quite some time. I look, he like him more than James cook, uh, especially if I'm closer to competing. I think if Fournette were to get hurt, uh, Mr. White's best ability is catching the ball out of the backfield. Tom loves to dump it down. We see Lenny catching a ton of passes. I, I think he's probably my second favorite running back in this. Uh, maybe not second favorite, but third favorite running back in this class. That's the ASU bias right there. I agree. There's though. a little I'm bit of ASU bias. Too, but I like I like the landing spot. Like Jay said, Lenny could get hurt. He's old up there in age. And this guy's a really good pass catcher. Go Sun Devils. Um, and then Devils, last baby. Last but not least, Justin Ross, uh, UDFA, undrafted free agent, goes to Kansas City Chiefs from Clemson. Clemson did have a down year, but to me, you know what? Again, worth a flyer, third third round, early third round, 100% worth the flyer. 
Yeah, I agree. Easy, easy. I feel like he's the only late second. He's the only guy that I think is getting mocked in the third that I actually kind of enjoy. Real one. He when his freshman year was ridiculous. Early, super early production, just a lot of bad injury luck. I I mean, landing spot. He couldn't have picked him. He couldn't have had him pick a better team. So I, I love Justin Ross. All right, Max. Let's get to the trade corner. We are going to get to the trade corner. And before we get into it, I just want to say in advance, I'm sorry to super producer Nick C. Um, I feel like last week I kind of barred him up. And this week he is the prime candidate for it. And I'm going to have to do it again. Nick, why do you even trade with him? Hey, man, got to have some good content somewhere. Yeah. Nick's for the pod, it. for the brand. <laughs> we'll say that. We'll say that just to help my ego a little bit. Help his ego for sure. Um, so I actually have three little segments here. Two of them are going to combine together as one. The first one is something that I really struggle with as a trader and as a fantasy football player. And then the other two kind of tie together and go hand in hand. But with that being said, the first one is just don't board trade in the off season. Like if you're bored, you're looking at these guys, you're sitting on sleeper. You're like, Hey, I want to go trade. I fall victim to this every day. I feel like I just check my teams and I'm like, I need some sort of change of scenery. I need to go make a trade. You have to look at the, your team and like actually be like, do I really need to make this trade? Will it help me? Honestly, it probably won't, but I just really am an addict to trading. And I feel like you guys know that and sometimes take advantage of it. Yes. We understand that you are an addict and that you have a problem. <laughs> we have been saying this for a long time. We're happy. You're able to recognize it now. This is the first step. <laughs> <laughs> it is bad yeah, i feel like peter's like uh, the perfect epitome of what he's talking about peter just sits on his roster and is very decisive about his moves he's never in a rush to make moves in the off season especially pre-draft stuff he just lets everyone else come to him gets a feel for the water and then starts making his moves when it's it's time to happen so that that's definitely one thing playing fantasy football with peter that he is a uh, taught me through his own actions this this is what it is i'm the guy i when i get in the pool i go right over to the stairs i put one foot in Ooh, a little cold i back at and i great gradually <laughs> just find my way into the water where max is the fat kid that jumps and splashes everybody right. and makes like a big wave and flails his arms and, and the water gets everywhere all the time gainer hey look and and the most important thing they're both having fun in the water this is hey, very, that's very, that's what it's all about. It is true. And, you know, I, I've really thought about, I've been looking at uh, houses in Philadelphia to move out there just to live with Peter again, just to like trade with him and get to talk to him every day. That's how much of an addict I am and how much I miss literally being able to walk down the hall and talk to somebody and be like, Hey, Peter, you want to trade and just annoy the living crap out of him before he goes to bed <laughs> until he says yes. I, I'm happy that we don't live together for that soul aspect. If, if everything else could be the same, I would live with you in two seconds. I would even live with you despite that. But wow. I have grown so much as a person, not having to literally get like talked into every single deal with you, Max. <laughs> it's done so much for my fantasy teams. I feel like my teams are so much better now that I don't have to talk to you every day and, and <laughs> just have a trade every other day. I kind of have to agree. I mean, your one team's looking really good. You got the first and second pick and a loaded roster. Uh, maybe you guys just shouldn't trade with me. I don't know. I, I, I dig myself a deeper hole every time I go on this episode. Um, but who I'm about to put in a deeper hole is Nick C. 
and it brings up to my oof. First point, <laughs> oof my first point of my second topic here and that is don't like don't give away your hand i know we've talked about this before i have a little story to tell nick c i mean he was like hey how do i get your first rounder for next year how do i get your first rounder for next begging. year he's begging just like begging me to give it to him and you know i was like hey like if you draft jmo and ritter i'll trade you my first rounder for those two but i was like i can't sit here and wait for the draft to make moves and like not give up my first so it just kind of came to it and next he's like Nixie gave me, I mean, it's, it's crazy. He gave me Terry McLaurin and a 23 first for my first. And I think I gave you a little something on the return there, Nixie. Yeah. I think you added like a second or something. I think I gave you a second, but like when you see that somebody wants a player from you so bad and that they're willing, especially if it's your first and you hold the fate of your own team. So obviously it's my first Nixie's thinks that I'm going to tank. I'm going to rebuild. Obviously, if you give away your first, you're not going to want to like rebuild and just tank. Like, obviously, you shouldn't tank openly, but you're not going to do that. And right when I did it, Nixie knew that he messed up. I, I want to say a different word. That's Nixie when he up. knew he messed up. That's right, Peter, because <laughs> he's like Max is going to shove. And when you have the power and you have the picks and the assets, it's so easy to ship your first, him think it be an early first. And then in reality, I shove and my team's really young and pretty solid and it becomes a middle of the pack first. And I got a free Terry McLaurin out of it. So I guess my point here being just don't show your hand. I don't even know how to put it. Don't trade for someone else's first and like really be like, yeah, your team's going to suck. It's going to make them want to go and be good. I, I like that a lot. I recently had a, a trade going on and I think it speaks to what you're talking about. Um, it was just a third round pick, but the person was asking for a third round pick of mine from someone else. And, um, or excuse me, they were asking for my third round pick. And I knew I was openly tanking. This is the league, the Mike Vrabel league. I've shipped off all my running backs. I'm trying to literally have none on my roster. So I have to start Jake Funk. And that's the only move I have. So it's kind of like a loophole through the no tank system. Just, you know, if I don't have them, what am I going to do? FK, I know right. you're listening. Kev K is a hunter. Kev K is going to find you a first rounder. Well, hey, I'm getting value in return. It's not like I'm dropping these guys or I'm benching them for better guys. I just don't have the assets. So that's that's different. We're talking about, you know, setting bad lineups and stuff like that. But anyways, the person wanted my third round pick, and I knew I'm trying to get the number one overall pick in 2023. So I had him switch it to someone else who is rebuilding. It's basically the same pick right now because of our rosters. But I don't know for sure that that other person is tanking or doing the same thing or trying to get a high draft pick. You know, they could do what Max did and just shove. So only trust yourself in what you're doing with your team. People can shove at any given second. I, I love that piece of advice. Peter, anything to add on this uh, little topic before I move into my last topic? I try to refuse uh, first-round picks from Max when he offers them. Even if the deal's a little too good, because I know just the way that he is. That yeah. first round pick looks sweet today and could be 110 tomorrow. It could be 110 in 10 minutes, Peter. I mean, I have deals lined up in advance, and it kind of leads me into my next um, topic here, just really quick. Don't burn bridges. Like after I made the trade of Nixie, I went back to the well to try to get some more water. And Nixie's like, no, like, I can't, man. Like, I'm hurting. Like, Nixie, like, was really, I mean, he was hurting by this. And 
I just kept trying to go to the same well and keep drinking the water. And eventually I ran the well dry. I ran him out of town. The man was really upset. So just don't burn your bridges, especially like if you have to play with these guys year round, you don't want to have good relationships. Like, yes, it's, it felt good to quote unquote pull over on Nixie, but in the long run, I had it backfire on me a couple of days later when he's like, I don't trust your word. So it's a really, it's a long game and you really have to play a fine line, but try to treat everyone with respect. That's my biggest problem. I'm, <laughs> that's my biggest problem. As everybody in here knows, I'm the independent Oracle on all trades and right when a trade is done, I have to give my two cents yeah. all the time. I always do for the most part. And a lot of the times one person doesn't like what I have to say. And the next thing, next thing I know, they think I'm trying to mess with them. So at least I can acknowledge my flaw. First step. Me and you both. I'm an that, addict. That and you're, uh, acknowledgement. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. So what class, what did we, what did we learn today? Man, we learned a whole bunch of stuff today, but, uh, don't um, board trade. Don't just trade to trade. Have a purpose behind a trade. I know it's the off season. You want to make moves. Mm -hmm. I want to make moves, but just don't sacrifice your whole roster just to trade away. Play. Don't trade for a pick on draft night either. It's terrible value. Continue, Max. 100%. The second thing was just don't show your hand and don't trade away your own first if you're going to like tank. Jace, you put it in a really good wording. Um, I forget how you worded it. But don't, don't don't trust anyone's like the direction of their team other than your own you're the only person that knows where your team is going everyone else is they can shove at any given moment 100 percent. and like if you're trading for someone like if i'm trading for peter's first and i'm like oh it's gonna be a really good first peter's a smart kid he's gonna be like oh like i don't have my own first next year i might as well go and make some moves and try to get up there and make this first hurt a little more you know um, and then the last yeah. one is just don't burn bridges. You want to have a good relationship with these guys. You play guys or girls, you play all year round with them. It's a dynasty league. Like it's going to go on for years. It will backfire. I, I'm telling you. All right. That's going to do it for our episode. Wanted to thank our great sponsor SeatGeek again, another week with SeatGeek. Uh, incredible, incredible sponsor. Use our code DynastyPod, D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y-P-O-D. That's our code for this season. I'm going to try to get a change to DMP or something a little bit more catchy for next season, but it's DynastyPod, D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y-P-O-D to get $20 off your first ticket purchase. Uh, again, we wanted to thank everybody for listening all the way to the end. Again, we have the Jalen Waddle jersey uh, on our Twitter. We're going to be doing that giveaway, signed Jalen Waddle jersey. Uh, if you haven't entered already, go to the Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. Nixie does a great job over there, keeping everybody informed. Always posts about openings and leagues, XYZ, everything fantasy football that is Dynasty related, and some even redraft pop culture stuff finds its way on our page at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Give us a follow over there. Follow us on Apple Pod, Spotify Pod. Comment, like, subscribe. Do whatever you have to do. Tell your grandmother when you see her. Tell her, Noni, I've been listening to this podcast. It's great. You should listen. Um, with that being said, next week's episode, we're going to be doing a two-round Ricky Mock draft, giving one more week to let the, let the, the dust settle, uh, do a rookie Mock draft next week. And with that being said, everybody have a great, great weekend. Peace out. Happy birthday to that Absolutely. wide receiver. 25.
Vellis. Happy birthday, Vellis. <laughs> From us Happy over here at the Dynasty the Monarch. man in the league. All right. Peace okay. out, everyone. Peace, peace, peace. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens. <laughs>